The facts. In a talent market that is more competitive and less understood than any other time in history, it's the facts that matter. Welcome to Start Smart, the podcast that delivers the facts, the latest research and data on the key issues and opportunities facing talent acquisition and HR professionals. everyone. Welcome to Start Smart, the podcast that's all about the facts, the latest findings in talent acquisition research. I'm Peter Weddle, the CEO of TA Tech. And I'm Shalia Gray, the global lead of audience talent acquisition. And between the two of us, we try to look at the facts from both the solution providers and the employer's perspective in order to help recruiters and other talent acquisition professionals really take advantage of the learning that's going on in our field. Today, we're going to look at a report from AppCast entitled the 2022 Recruitment Marketing Benchmark Report. Before we get started on talking about it, first, I'd like to tell you a little bit about our sponsor, Talent.com, the solution to finding talent your way. Work with the fast-growing, tech-savvy company dedicated to making the search for candidates easy. Are you looking to fill one job? How about a thousand jobs? Do you need a way to integrate your recruitment technology? Talent.com can find the answers for your business and they can do it on time and on budget. Start growing with talent.com. Okay, Shalila. Well, listen, this is a fascinating report. Uh, Again, it's entitled the 2022 Recruitment Marketing Benchmark Report from Appcast. And uh, as a show that's all about data, this is a report that is replete with data. Uh, it's based on an analysis of 136 million job seeker clicks on job ads that led to 8.1 million applications for jobs with 3,100 employers. And all that data was collected during the period January 1 to May 31 of this year. So it's very current. Uh, and as I said, it's it's a lot of data. So uh, our first finding that we're going to look at is that it ain't getting any easier to hire good talent. Uh, I think that's an especially important finding right now. It seems fairly obvious, but I think it's important to emphasize because as the economy slows down, many C-suites, not all, but many of them are going to revert to bad behavior, to old habits. They're going to assume when they look at layoffs out there that recruiting is getting easier, that it's going to be just like fishing in a barrel. And when they make that perception, when they make that analysis, uh, that's going to lead to significant reductions in both the recruiting budget and in headcount. And the AppCast report makes it very clear that that's a totally wrong assumption. But before we get to that, I just want to make sure that we understand the magnitude of the problem. So I went back and did a little research. And in 2019, LinkedIn did a survey of 1,500 talent acquisition professionals. And it found that 47%, almost half, said that their budget was going to be uh, declining, would, would decrease as a result of the downturn in the economy uh, driven by COVID. So when the when the economy turns down, 
uh, companies do uh, really uh, put the screws to the recruiting budget. Um, and as I mentioned, the AppCast report, you know, really, as we're just going to discuss, really underscores just how wrong uh, an assumption that is. So, so one way to look at the fact that recruiting is not easier is to look at the JOLTS report from, from DOL. The JOLTS report, uh, the latest one, says that there are still almost two jobs for every one job seeker. So uh, it's still a very tough market. But the C-suite really understands money. They're driven by dollars and cents. So I, I think that's really the value of the AppCast report. They're focused on money. So let's take a look at the facts. One measure of what it takes to acquire a new employee is cost per application or CPA. And AppCast found that the median CPA in May of this year was much higher than it was pre-pandemic. It was $26.73. And that's still a lot higher than it was before we had to deal with COVID. And, and just to underscore the point, even if you drop the CPA by 20%, it would still be higher than it was in March of 2020. The second data point is what it costs to get for a company to get its ads in front of job seekers. And that also remains high. That measure is called cost per click or CPC. And it's dropped a little from last fall, but the median CPC at $1.04 is still 66% higher than it was in March 2020. So Shalila, whether or not we're in a recession, the composition for talent as measured by dollars and cents by what it costs to recruit applicants is still really intense. What should recruiting teams do to open the eyes of the people in the C-suite and protect their budgets? So I think that they're going to have to, we've, we've always been a data-driven function because people are always looking for return on investment. Um, so it's interesting when I read your report, because I sat in about two weeks ago, one of the uh, recruit analysts from AppCast did a presentation with TA people. And so when they went a little bit, dig a little bit deeper and they talked about these apply rates going up in the cost, then they went a little deeper and talked about the types of jobs, which is driving this cost up. So most of the apply rates are happening in the gig economy. That's almost 8% of the apply rate increase is in gig work. Those are people who want to do short-term assignments. And a lot of our organizations are moving to that model now because they, they can't or they are unwilling to fund full-time positions. So they're looking for project-oriented people. That's driving the rates up. So that's one of the statistics that should be in front of the C-suite. The other thing is that the other large jumps in the in that's uh, jumping the rates are the warehousing and logistic jobs. You know, all that supply chain stuff that happened in fourth quarter in the U.S. has really driven up um, those jobs and the number of those jobs. The other big areas around retail and food service and customer service. Many of the jobs that some of us deal with, which are the finance, technology, the science jobs, the manufacturing jobs, they're on the lower end of the apply rate increases. So you, you first have to dissect the numbers that AppCast has given you, and you have to go a little bit deeper to determine where these rates are coming from. But the C-suite, just about anything, because I know many companies now, especially companies that are selling things, have had to raise uh, prices. 
And the reason they raise prices is because, you know, their departments are making the sweet, sweet. No, it costs more to make the same amount. So TA has to be just account as accountable and just as conscientious when we talk about what it takes to get recruiting done. Do you think it would be beneficial or just a waste of time to, to make the same argument to hiring managers? I mean, do they play in this conversation at all? Um, I think hiring managers do play in this conversation and what they, they, they see it every day, because what I'm going to say to you is we've talked about this in, a, in another podcast, the salaries are going up. The salaries for new talent are going up. And when you talk about compression, which means the people that are currently in those jobs relative to the new people coming in, there's a, there's a delta there that, and that gap keeps getting wider. So hiring managers are recognizing that the cost of talent and how long it takes to find talent is increased. So hiring managers are already there. It's those levels above that are that are out of touch in some ways. Yeah, you know, we're we're going to talk a little bit more about the difference uh, in in CPAs among the various occupations. Uh, that was a part of this particular AppCast report as well. Uh, but I I just I think that we want to make sure that uh, more than just saying. Hey, listen, it's, uh, you know, it, it's, it's harder to recruit talent than it was even before the pandemic. Uh, those, those sort of qualitative arguments, uh, what, what HR wants to lead with or what TA wants to lead with is a quantitative argument. It is, you know, it is a dollars and cents argument, it seems to me, because that's what holds sway for, uh, for folks in the C-suite, especially the person who unfortunately tends to have the biggest vote, and that is the CFO. I think you need to lead with the dollars and cents. And then the other piece that we lead with is we lead the the delta between the number of jobs that are becoming available and the time it takes us to fill those jobs. So, you know, the goal is to be flat. The goal is to be able to, to have a small delta between openings and job fills. The reality is that that gap keeps getting wider and wider. So that, in addition to dollars, paint a story for, for leadership. Gotcha. We've talked about the cost to hire good talent. Now, uh, as you indicated a little earlier, let's talk about apply rates, candidate apply rates. Now, the good news is that they're relatively flat from the, what they were uh, pre-pandemic. But the bad news is that's nothing to brag about. Uh, you know, a- as we discussed in the last episode, there are a whole bunch of factors that can, can affect uh, candidate apply rates. Uh, you know, a, a lot of times you don't get candidates completing the application form because it's too long, it's too involved, it's just uh, too difficult to, uh, uh, to, to, to complete. Um, so a rule of thumb, of course, is that the longer the form, the fewer the applications. But the AppCast report has value because it describes just how bad the situation has become. So here are the facts. The median apply rate, which they define to be applications per click. So you get a bunch of folks to click on an ad, then how many of those actually submit an application? That stood, the median rate stood at 3.95%. So out of 100 clicks, three of them, or I should say almost four, 3.95, actually turn into an application. And that's about what it was in March of 2020. So Nothing's gone down uh, since then, but 
here's what APCAS points out. An apply rate of 3.9% means that about 96% of the candidates, so 96 out of 100 applications, or excuse me, clicks, aren't turning into a job, uh, into an application at all. Uh, and, and, you know, if I'm a CFO and I'm looking at return on investment, that's about as bad as it can get. So, so clearly this is, this is a complicated issue, but what do you think, Shalila? How, how can recruiting teams solve this problem? It's kind of hard to argue that companies should stand pat on their recruiting budgets when the return on that money is so miserable. So I'm going to say this is where you put the money in because um, I look at my conversion rates every month. So, you know, the first thing is attraction. So you want eyeballs on your jobs. That's a perfect thing. So we've steadily seen the eyeballs on our jobs increase, right? The number of people look at a job. Then we look at job abandonment, which means they clicked on the job, they saw the job, and then they didn't complete it. This is where we put the work in. So this is when your CRMs come into play. So you do campaigns for those people that have possibly given you enough information that you can follow up with them to ask them why they didn't complete the application, what's going on with it. The other piece is there's technology now out there. I mean, I've looked at several new new tools in the last couple of years. I had one in my last job that actually sat on the front end of my apply process. And when people did job abandonment, it took a snapshot of what happened. Was it the technology? Did they go to another page? You know, what made them time out? on that on that piece and be able to actually send them a survey. You know how when you go to buy something, sometimes an ad will follow you around numerous times or you'll get an email saying you left something, you're in basket or whatever. Well, this technology now around recruiting, they can help you with that. But we spend a lot of our time trying to make those conversions happen. Or in my case, if I can't get people to finish the application, apply for the job, what I try to get them to do is join my talent community which means then they get um, jobs sent to them automatically, the jobs that they want to, you know, that they're interested in the categories. But that is an issue right now is the apply rate. Now, but here's one of the things I'm going to say that I think many of us in recruiting have taken the time to try to make our apply process as easy as possible. The applicant tracking systems still are not there. So there is technology now that can sit on top of your apply process that will allow candidates to, guess what? Just upload a resume. Because you really only need a few pieces of information to let us know you're interested. You know, Share your LinkedIn profile. If you've ever applied for a job on LinkedIn or some of these sites, you get that, uh, candidates will get that thing saying you can apply with your LinkedIn profile, which is so quick and easy. So many of us have taken the time to time how long it takes to get through that. And so people are not manually filling out an application anymore. It's gotten much quicker, and this technology available to address that problem. I think all of that is great, particularly going back to candidates who abandon and offering them the opportunity to join your talent community. They they have expressed some level of interest, so they're in sales terms they're a qualified lead. Uh, but I I think there's something else going on here. Uh, I I've just written for our newsletter this week. Uh, a piece called the soporific job posting. Uh, and, and by that, I mean that job postings today are rich in information and poor in excitement. Uh, you know, they, they uh, tell the individual about the requirements and responsibilities of a job, uh, but they don't get them jazzed about it. Um, and I think 
when that happens, the least little thing can distract them, irritate them, annoy them, whatever. And that forces them to abandon uh, an application they might otherwise complete. They just aren't excited enough to to, to push on through and complete it. And and so what I think we need to do is to to rethink uh, job postings. Yes, you want to have that information in there. That's absolutely essential. And in some cases, it it, it is required. Uh, But what you also want to do, I think, is talk to the candidate about what's in it for them. You know, what will they get to do? What will they get to accomplish? What will they get to learn? Uh, How will they be recognized and rewarded? Who will they get to work with? Those kinds of things are what really push a person, it seems to me, over the finish line and gets them to, to, to actually complete that application. I agree. And I think many of us have taken that. I mean, there's tech, there's technology that's popped up in the last five years to help us write our job postings like an, like a marketing ad. I mean, I, I took my marketing companies uh, a year ago and had them look at my ads regionally to take out all the buzzwords and take out all the stuff that doesn't, you know, very common stuff and write it like a marketing ad to make it more fun. You'll see many companies now have added in their job descriptions even if you, because they found the statistics that say women typically don't apply to jobs unless they feel like they're 100%. You see many of those in there. You also see most of us have um, also put in there what you get from us, our benefits, our you know the environment we work in. We've done all of that. Um, so I think what you're saying is true. I think that's it's an issue that we we're trying to address, but you know we're in a different market. One of the things I believe has also happened is this. When you're unemployed, in order to get unemployment, you have to apply to so many jobs a week, right? Well, guess what? We're in negative unemployment. We're in negative unemployment. You know, those were the days when I would have people that were overqualified applying to my jobs. And I would be like, well, why is someone who's a PhD applying to be an administrative assistant? Maybe they do want to be an administrative assistant, but they're way overqualified, right? Some of that was the way our unemployment structure was faced in America, that people were applying to jobs to say they were applying for jobs. That's gone away. When unemployment gets low and there's, you know, you don't have that need, that's impacted the number of applicants we have. The other thing is, is that I think people are making their own way in the world. That's why I say this gig work concept has become much more popular. If I can go off and do a project. If I can get, you know, my, my intrinsic satisfaction of getting something accomplished, I don't have to deal with the politics internally. I might like those type of jobs better. And so as a result, that's why I said, when I looked at the numbers and I saw how much gig work, the apply clicks of those have gone up considerably. I think people are leaving the traditional job postings and they're looking for things like that. The other thing is, you know, candidates will always tell me sometimes they abandon jobs when there's a must have a knockout question. Guess what? Most of our knockout questions are. What is your salary or what what is your salary requirements? Even though we don't tell you what the job is doing, you we ask for salary requirements and we make it a must have. Guess what? Yeah, they don't want to answer it. There's some other things that we ask in the process is absolute. I saw a company the other day. They wanted to know all your social media handles and it was a must have. And I said, 
hmm, if a candidate doesn't have a Twitter, have a Twitter handle, they can't go ahead in the process. It's some of the things we put in their knockouts that make people abandon the job process. Yeah. Uh, you know, for that particular employer, I would say they haven't earned the right to even ask that question. Well, you know, many of my peers still go and look at people's social profiles as a part of their vetting process. You know, that was a conversation I, I was in like you know, eight or nine years ago it was with a consulting firm. And they said, you know, most of their college, most of their hires are college grads, fresh college grads without experience. So they vet them from their social media profile. And I said, if you, you know, I, I was young and foolish. Thank God there was no social media because I don't know if I'd have commented the wrong way on somebody's post, whatever. But I said, do you do that internally? Once someone comes internally, do you do a continued vetting before you promote somebody about their social media? And they said, no. I said, do you make people sign something like the media industry does around their social presence? And they said, no. And I said, well, why would you make it a part of the vetting process? So, you know, many people find value in many different things. Yeah, yeah. The last finding is that, uh, and this is what you were getting to, there is no such thing as a one-size-fits-all recruiting budget. I mean, uh, this is, you know, uh, a duh kind of finding. Uh, recruiters have long understood that it takes a lot more effort to recruit people with certain specialized skills, uh, data science or pediatric nursing, than it does to recruit people with other more general skills. However, I think, you know, when it comes to budgeting for talent acquisition, all too often we sort of lump everything together and we use a common denominator approach. Uh, and, and I think that, you know, that's uh, potentially uh, detrimental to your yield. You spend the, the same or relatively same amount of money for every open rec and uh, regardless of where the job is located. And, and here again, APCAST report indicates that's a big error. So here's the facts. Apply rates, as you were saying, vary significantly from one job function to another. For example, the apply rate for, a food, for food service workers during the study period, so January to May, was 8.9%. 8.09%, excuse me. Uh, the apply rate for warehouse and logistics workers, in contrast, was just 3.16%. So the apply rate for uh, food service workers was more than double that of warehouse and logistics workers. And, and for both, uh, more than 90% of the folks who looked at the ad didn't even bother to apply. Uh, and the same is true with uh, where the job is located. For example, the apply rate in Texas is 576 while the employ, employ rate, the apply rate in Washington is 4.57, and in Maine, it's just 2.9%. So, Shalila, here's the question. You know, we hear a lot about targeting of your sourcing efforts, and that's obviously a good thing. Uh, and these data confirm that that's the right thing to do. But, but is doing that in an ongoing and sophisticated way something only big companies can do? Or do you think even, you know, small and mid-sized businesses, generally speaking, have the wherewithal to really be that specific? I think they have the ability to be that specific. I mean, programmatic advertising has been around for a number of years now. And it's like everything else. You have a limited amount of budget, which is really nice with programmatic advertising. You have a limited amount of budget. And they are sort of like day trading They're, You know, when you give that budget and they're looking at how well you're doing in that market, they're moving your budget around, given your constraints. 
you know, we talked about this, I think, in our last podcast about how um, remote work and hybrid work are getting more views than anything else. Right. They're, they're getting more views than any other job out there. So I think that every company needs to think about that question. I was talking to a company, you know, last week and they were like, um, everybody must be in our location. And I said, why? Is there a reason? I said, is it because there's high client interaction? Is it a collaborative thing? Why? Well, that's just the way we've always done business. And so the next question I asked was doing COVID. Um, did you make people come into the office every day? And they said, absolutely not. Of course we didn't. And so I asked the second question was, you know, um, did productivity go down? They said, no. So I said, so why are you back in the office? Well, because that's because we have office space. I said, okay, okay, I understand. But you understand a new paradigm is here because workers uh, appreciate it. And I said, and, I, and most people will tell you they actually got more from workers when they worked from home. You know, the productivity was different, um, but there was a belief it has to be there. So I do believe even small companies have to consider how work gets done. Some jobs is going to be mandatory to be in the office. Some jobs are going to be lo- are going to be in locations that are less desirable, which means less major metropolitan cities than others. And then they're going to have to do more to entice candidates in a very tight marketplace. Right. So. You know, if you are in New York City, that's going to be very different than if you're in Wendell, North Carolina, which is a very small town, right? You're going to have to do very different advertising and a very different marketing thing, but you're going to have to play to the strengths and you're going to know how to get it done. I think small companies in many ways are more creative because they have less budget. You know, small companies, you know, are, are, are hardy. They, they figure out how to get things out there, whether it's uh, grocery stores or things in their local market or, you know, radio ads or whatever. I think even smaller companies actually sometimes are much more creative. Well, I think that's a, a good segue to our, uh, at least my uh, conclusion about this whole report. And that is uh, we've entered an era where uh things are just different from what they have historically been. Uh, You can't rely on old behaviors. You can't rely on old assumptions. Uh, You know, you can't uh, go with the flow in terms of supply and demand uh, and downturns in the economy. You really have to be, to use the term you just used, you have to be creative. Um, If you want to get your positions filled these days, uh, you got to think outside the box. You've got to uh, write uh, more enticing, more exciting job postings. You have to uh, make sure that you're basing your salary offers on the market and not on uh, the wishful thinking of the CFO or the hiring manager. You have to make sure that you understand the differences in the various occupations and that you target your uh, advertising to those differences and so forth. It's just a much more demanding environment with much less uh, freedom to make mistakes. I mean, you just you just got to get it right and you got to do it as quickly as possible. I agree. And I think that's how we're living our lives right now. Um, you know, when you talk about inflation, you know, we all had to go to work, even though gas prices were going up. Right. We go to the grocery store and we're having to feed the same size family, even though prices have gone up. I think we are now becoming an adaptive society 
But what's happening is the environment around us is changing so quickly that our skills have to be honed to be able to figure it out. We have to be quicker and better problem solvers. Yeah, you know, I think that's a that's a great final statement that that you know we we humans hate change, uh, and we are living in a time of constant and accelerating change, uh, and uh, we have to adapt. We have to evolve faster than our species has ever had to evolve. Uh, and faster than our profession, the talent acquisition field, has ever had to evolve. The companies and the individuals who do that best are going to be those that, uh, you know, uh, have the competitive advantage and come out on top at the end. Okay, well, listen, this has been a, a fascinating discussion about a really great report. Again, the name of the report is the AppCast 2022 Recruitment Marketing Benchmark Report. You can download it from their website, appcast.io. Our next show is going to look at a report from Gartner uh, entitled Six Emerging Human Capital Management Technology Trends. That's a mouthful, but they've identified out of the 30 or so human capital management technology trends that they track, they've identified six that they think are on the cusp of really having a big impact on the world of work. So we're going to kick those around. Uh, and in the interim, uh, we hope that uh, you've enjoyed this particular show and that you'll come back again next time and listen to Start Smart, the podcast that focuses on data. Uh, and certainly we'd love to have you just do that at tatech.org. Click on the podcast tab and listen there. Or better yet, subscribe to listen regularly at Spotify. Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you download the podcasts you like best. Thanks very much for being here today. We'll see you next time. That concludes this episode of Start Smart. Thanks very much for joining us. And come back for our next episodes on the latest research that will help you shape your talent acquisition with the facts. See you then.